if your competitors are serious about design and branding, they'll be known and you might have helped them get the recognition, get their product out there. I've seen clients that have come to me with their own ideas and, and very strong on them. And that's the biggest challenge is slowly letting their ties down and showing them. And the only way to do it is to show them why this won't work. You know, this is not who you are. You are this person because you've told me this whole story. Would there be people who are oblivious to the fact that their design is so off-putting that it's discouraging people? You're not consistent. If someone comes in with their own ideas that you've, you've let take the reins, a few degrees off over, you know, compounding over, you end up in a totally different destination. When I'm watching Formula One and I see a Red Bull sports car, I keep seeing the blue, red, yellow. I see the logo a lot. And then I see it on a motocross's helmet or a BMX's helmet or a skater's T-shirt or a surfer, kite surfer, windsurfer on their board bag. And I start to see this brand a lot. Does that mean they're really nailing their game? This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 1045. Today we're talking about branding and story and design and brought along a new guest, Angelo Poravecchio. Welcome to the call. Hi, James. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're over there in uh, West Australia, so we're in a, on the same continent, but gee, it's a long way apart, actually, for one country. You couldn't be m- much further apart. Closer to other countries than cities in our own backyard, which is a funny scenario. That is funny. I think I can get to New Zealand a bit quicker. Now, of course, we get to catch up every week or so. We have a chat, um, talk about business and stuff. You're in my mentor program, and I've really enjoyed getting to know your business through that process and seeing what you're doing because it's, it's kind of like you've brought fresh stuff into my view. And, and I wanted to talk about that today because in this online space, we often talking about performance-related stuff. We come from this direct response, copywriting, paid traffic, conversions, et cetera, et cetera. You've come at this a little more from a branding and storytelling perspective in the work you're doing. And of course, being where you're located, you've been doing some of this stuff for very large companies like multinational companies who are extracting mineral resources from the earth. And But also, I know you're a passionate cyclist and you've been building a brand in that market. So I'm interested to sort of counterbalance the performance side of marketing with the branding and story side. Can we just sort of share for a, a moment What's your observation when you come into this sort of hardcore performance world? Well, I see it as a perspective of uh, short-term versus long-term. I mean, performance, it's a fierce market out there um, because you're competing with budgets. Now, budgets vary. And let's say you have a similar product to the guy next door and the only differentiation is the product. Now, if you don't interweave your story and who you are or what your company's vision stands for from a visual uh, perspective and storytelling perspective, you're really just competing on price. Right. So you can build value in your, the perception of your business. How do you describe brand? I've heard it described a few different ways, but when you think of it, what does it mean to you? Well, it's the alignment of your visual perception to the world, the world's perception of your organization from a visual point of view, an emotional point of view, with its values and its core end goal, its, its core beliefs. So if they're aligned, then 
you're being true to what you're selling and customers, people resonate with that. If you're consistently playful or consistently disruptive, the consistency becomes something that the brain gets drawn to because, you know, it's, it's not erratic. It's not some kind of scam. It's someone, you know, basically. So like when I'm watching Formula One and I see a Red Bull sports car, I keep seeing the the blue, red, yellow. I see the logo a lot. And then I see it on a motocross's helmet or a BMX's helmet or a skater's T-shirt or a surfer, kite surfer, windsurfer on their board bag. And I start to see this brand a lot. Does that mean they're really nailing their game? I think so. There's an awareness there. I mean, the brain equates the consistency with trust. You know, back in evolutionary times, if something's consistently there, it's not a threat. So the trust element is what you want associated with your organization, business, or whatever you're selling. Over time, that trust, even if you're not a buyer or an engager on the spot, when it does come time to engage or to be drawn in, the trust element and the recognition of that brand that's when that comes into place. So it's really for the long-term player. And aside from that, it adds value. You know, if you're, even if you're in the short term, if you were to sell, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs in your audience, to sell your business at some point, a brand that is recognized rather than one that isn't is worth a lot more on the market. Well, I'm certainly hoping that for my surf brand where I've put time and effort into logo, trademark, a certain look and feel and building out content and not necessarily being the face of it, you know, for the most part. I don't, like someone asked me my name the other day, like I'm not known for that content personally, but the brand does that. And, and that is my intention. I think I brought from Mercedes-Benz a love of or recognition of how strong a brand can be that can exist without one person because the founders of that brand were well and truly long gone, right? It was a hundred-year-old brand. And how much detail do people take in when we're presenting and when we're on a Zoom and, and when we make content because I'm looking around your studio here, I get, I get a certain feel about you. I can see a DSLR camera on a bench top there and some neatly organised receptacles and so lots of natural light and, and some wooden panels and you know the way that you're dressed. I take it all in and I imagine people are doing the same thing when I'm making this content. Is, is it something they're conscious of? Is it a big deal or not? I think it is. I mean, colors and things that you resonate with, like simplicity, these are all elements that we take into consideration when, when designing and approaching a brand. We need to tailor it to the person. Now, yeah, it is a reflection on who you are. Even your brand, James, the orange, it's energy, it's vitality and encouragement. That's exactly what you stand for. And another element which I've seen recently is your little video flicker mm-hmm. um, at the end of your posts. With the little splash, it's got the surfboard and the microphone. and Exactly. And the wave. The wave, that's it. So that's a little story and I don't even have to see you or your face or your name. I can associate that with who you are and what, well, a little bit of what you, you represent. So, yeah, I mean, it's important to have individuality and, and your own story. That applies to an individual, an organization, their vision, 
or where it started, even if it's not an exciting industry, there's something, if you scratch beneath the surface, that there's a story there. It started for a reason or a great-great-grandfather was a wheat farmer. This is incorporated into this curve of the logo. It's something you represent, something people want to wear and be proud of. So is this something anyone can learn? Because I've noticed some people just get design, right? Like I remember reading, I think you said, you know what good looks like or something along that line. And I'm like, yeah, there's people like that, like my friend Greg Merrilies. He just knows what design looks like. He knows what a good design is. I would say that I didn't, (laughs) maybe don't. I need to rely on experts like you guys to help out because, and I've noticed even within our own team, some people have got more of a design affinity than others. And I'm not sure how long it's been fostered. I mean, it's, it's sort of on my mind because my daughter, who's very young, does a lot of painting. She's cranking out good pictures now that I don't think I would have, I don't think I could paint as well as her now. I'm a lot older than her. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's in there and it's being brought out. But would there be people who are oblivious to the fact that their design is so off-putting that it's discouraging people? Yes, I've seen them all, James. I've seen, (laughs) it's a funny journey. I see some that make me like, you know, like people squish their heads or they use really bad lighting or they wear the wrong coloured, you know, like light, cool or warm, like they wear the wrong type of outfits or they're, they're just a clashy mismatch and it's in or terrible logos or whatever. And they don't really have their own, their own design style is lack of style, if you know what I mean. And they, would they be oblivious to it? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a curse. Having a, an eye, a design eye is a bit of a curse. Just walking down a high street, you start looking at kerning about colors and you have to kind of unlearn that. All right, switch it off. Let's just walk down the street and not analyze every sign or every piece of branding out there. But yeah, some people have the strength and others I've seen clients that have come to me with their own ideas and and very strong on them. And that's the biggest challenge is slowly letting their ties down and showing them. And the only way to do it is to show them why this won't work and research. And, you know, this is not who you are. You are this person because you've told me this whole story. We're great listeners. You got to listen and you got to look at um, what they're working with. And you have to become a little bit of a um, psychologist in a way of you got to let go of that. I love how you put that. <laughs> I, I know how you're, you're very gently spoken and reserved. However, I know you're really good at your skill. I like that expression, letting their tires down and uh, there's a famous oatmeal cartoon i'm not sure if you've seen it where someone gives someone a design job and then they just keep hacking it and changing the designer in in the end just says oh here you go and they give them exactly what they want and it's like the ugliest possible thing ever (laughs) Um, is there a point where you have uh, a client that you say i don't think we're destined to work together yeah usually you can pick up on it quite quickly Mm -hmm. um and yeah like you said I'm not about throwing my weight around because this is their baby. This is their business. A lot of the time they've nurtured that and they're quite attached to it. And just like anything, just like with accounting, you got to let the books go at some point. You got to bring someone in and with branding and, and design, 
you've done great. You put your hand on the shoulder, but it's time to let go of this because you do what you do. Great. Let us show you another way and let us tell your story on how the external world will see it and it can be heard to its full potential. So yeah, the answer to your question is there's some characters out there and business is, is tough. It's tough. It's an, it's, it's hard to get because all these books about not being emotional, they're written for a reason because people get attached. I'm a victim myself. <laughs> I can imagine. I've, I've found a lot of artists type people have very strong emotions, whether they're chefs or musicians or designers, <laughs> you know, they're very passionate. What type of materials would you say should be in consideration for someone when they come to get help from a design studio, branding, storytelling, makeover? Like who are you helping and what are you helping them with? Well, like I said previously, we all listen to their story. People that the alignment's off and they might be doing well with sales, but that can bring you to a point where you'll be capped at some point because if your competitors are serious about design and branding, they'll be known and you might have helped them get the recognition, get their product out there. They'll be known at the end. So who we're helping, helping people that have a story to tell or that aren't singing in unison. They're not consistent across the board with their communications they're not happy with, they don't feel their logo is represents who they are and what they do. And because sometimes you might sponsor something and their logos can be quite simple, but there's sometimes a little story that can be told, even the FedEx logo. A lot of people don't realize there's an arrow in, in between the D and the E or one of those. So it's, it's in built in there. So we can weave in, even in typography, a little wink to a little nod. This is who we are. And so it usually starts with a questionnaire. I'll send out like a brand pulse checker. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just an alignment. You know, I use an analogy of a flight path. You start your business, you want to go to the destination and the destination equals success, whether it's helping the community or making millions. Now, a few degrees off, if you're not consistent, if someone comes in with their own ideas that you've, you've let take the reins, a few degrees off over, you know, compounding over, you end up in a totally different destination. You want to go to Brazil, you end up, <laughs> you end up in New Zealand. In Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, well. That's, it reminds me, I went, went on a, a dealer trip of the Mercedes-Benz prize winners. There was a guy there and they said, how did you end up in the town that you ended up in? He goes, well, when I came to Australia, I went to the train station and he said, I thought I was asking for a ticket to Melbourne. But he ended up in Moree, which is very, very different. I don't even know where that is. It's a tiny little <laughs> country town on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. Right. Uh, and he just set up shop, basically, and then ended up creating a nice little dealership for himself. That was quite funny. Oh, brilliant. You know, okay, so in, in that scenario, sometimes it can work in your favour. could be serendipitous, but often uh, with bad design, it's not going to work in your favour. I love what you said before. You could actually be helping your competitors. The one with the stronger brand wins. Yeah. Do you find people don't really put much emphasis on it or don't think it's as important as, as it possibly could be? I think people probably overinvest in performance marketing and underinvest in brand awareness because let's say you've got a product that becomes redundant one day, then the business, the business is only as, uh, worth as much as the product or service. 
AI comes in, something comes in, a change in the market. If you've built your brand awareness, consistent collateral, everything you do is the right tone, the right colors. If you've built your, your brand awareness, that product doesn't really mean, it doesn't hold as much weight as, as initially did. That product could be switched out, connected to the brand that you've created and invested in, and you could still prosper as a business. Be like some of those famous companies that, um, like maybe Bugatti, for example, or Bentley or Aston Martin, you know, like they've got such rich heritage that they can transcend different ownership structures. And we wouldn't even know that we just know that that is prestige. That's performance, whatever we, we buy that. We're going to get a certain type of product and expectation will be met. Yeah, it's like I realised this when I was hiring at Mercedes-Benz. People would say, listen, if this was Ford or Nissan, I wouldn't be here for this job. I'm, I'm here because it's Mercedes-Benz. So you realise there's a powerful force going on there. I was definitely more performance-oriented when I started online, and I've only in the last you know, half of that journey rolled back in branding. We've, we've had all of our designs done from the logos to the website to the the templates of the things we upload have a certain set standard, a style guideline and our specific colours down to the, what do they call the hex thing? Yeah, online, the hex colours and then printed, which is, you probably wouldn't see many much of that, the Pantones. Pantones. Got the swatches here. That's it. Those things. I'll do, I'll do it. Right, see? Look at that. Tools of the trade. Now you're just showing off. Quick reference. It's just like <laughs> my um, my gun belt. I just have to quickly reference. Yeah, just like he's got in the top left pocket. <laughs> no worries. You want to, oh, yeah, Pantone? Did someone say Pantone? <laughs> <laughs> arms reach. Everything has to be arms reach. The moleskin. Yeah. Ideas come and they go. So what are we after? We're, we're sitting here. We're thinking, gosh, I've never really thought about design or branding what should we be want in the toolkit? Is are we talking about a? You've mentioned a logo. Should we have a color palette done or a, a mood board or what are the tools of the trade? So definitely a color palette. You should have your primary colors, and then if you got multiple products, it's okay to introduce more colors as long as they're complementary. You know, you might have your gold standard a certain type of color. So keep the consistency. Consistency is the biggest. I mean, it's an obvious one, but consistency will be the lifeblood of, of what you do. So you check in with your logo. The logo is one element. You check in if your logo represents who you are, what you stand for, and then we, we work on to colors and templates for marketing, depending on what it is, the socials, everything needs to marry up, up until sign, you know, throughout to signage, your digital presence. Banners can't just be thrown together with templates that other people are accessing because you're just going to look like other people and you have to have your individuality as an organization. So a style guide is, is super important. I'd say once that's all locked down, a style guide, and that way that can be passed down and updated and you'll never stray off course. You'll never end up in, um, you end up in Melbourne, not that country town, which I more <laughs> if you want to go to Melbourne. Well, you know, actually I remember, was probably about maybe 12 or 13 years ago. One of the very first mandates I rolled out to the team was, please, just let's just use Helvetica New. If we're going to build any slides or whatever, just use the same font because they were making all these different looks and feels. It was scary, right? I love that font. I do too. I was just like, let's just make it that. 
Over time, though, we've been able to build out to the point where you've, you've identified we have that little splash thing in every video. So we do have a brand guideline, I su- suppose you'd call it. One thing is we wanted to get off making Hormosi-style videos because we're not Hormosi. I had a friend of mine, Mark, and he just wanted us to have a more natural feel. He edited up a few for us to show us what to do, which was really generous. And now we we don't have you know, the psh, 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 uh, sound effects and, and uh, the TikTok-y style stuff. We're more just clean cuts. Yeah. So Mark Whitehand was pivotal in saying, look, just keep it natural. He said you can't be too authentic if you just keep it as natural as possible. And so we leave in mistakes now. We keep the cuts clean. We have a standardized captioning and we have that little thing. But over time, the consistency is what lets people know, oh, this is our content because they see it and it's not anyone else's, it's ours. Exactly. And sticking to that is vital. And it's actually easier for the team to have a standard that they can benchmark off rather than trying to be creative and come up with a new take on every single one. Well, that's what happens with organizations. They might spend all this money on locking down a style and then a new marketing manager might come in and start, oh, here's the style, but I'm going to add my little flair to it. And that's okay. But again, it strays off course. So what you have to do is Maybe it's time to update the style guide. If we're going to be a bit more punchy with, if we're going to do a call out for, if it's podcast or a new product, we use this font all the time. It's a bit more fun, but then when we do the corporate stuff, we use these fonts. So people know, oh, that font means new product or that font means a new event. And so they still connect with your brand. It's super important. Uh, that's why often a lot, often we stay on just as a partner and just run everything through us. Um, we create the brand and then just provide updates and customization to templates because content might be, you know, there might be a lot of content on one piece of marketing material and, and a little bit on another. And you need to fill these gaps in some way in a creative way. Oh, it gets away from you over the years, you know. I- I'm so fortunate to have Greg has been helping me all this time. He'll say, oh, listen, I, th- I think your podcast needs a new logo or your website needs a bit of a cleanup or the, the membership we can rearrange. And just this, just a constant, I guess it's like Kaizen. But there's a lot of assets if I think about it. We've got logos. We've got front-end public pages. We've got the back-end memberships. We have the app. We have the video content. We have PDF downloads that we give. They're all in the same look and feel. And I even went and put the same picture of me on the social platforms so that people can instantly recognize that's me. Because when those um, I've noticed that. scammy, thieving bastards go and steal pictures of me and make a fake profile trying to give away bitcoins to my followers, like... <laughs> Um, hopefully, usually they'll use a different picture and it, it automatically looks a bit different because you get used to my picture. But if I do a universal update, it's usually because someone's just cloned it and Facebook won't take it down, which is frustrating. And that's great. That you, that's brilliant. You touched on that, you know, the trust element. Yeah. Because the scammy guys. Well, it's like, you know, automatically most people would think, well, I'm not, why would I be giving away Bitcoin for free? You know, like they're very clever how they do it. They open up some random account, they change the name to the same as yours. They put your picture and then they go to your posts and post as you on your posts with these giveaways. And unless you're quick to shut them down 
or you know ban them and delete them from the page. You know, some people might get involved, but I've always, I've said that. I haven't updated my bio. I don't give away free Bitcoin, right? I ain't given any of my Bitcoin away. I'll just let it ride, right? So let's get that clear. Hold on to it. But I think people, you know, and you've noticed there's a, there's a theme of the surfing comes through into my work, even on the book cover, which again, this went through a change because it used to just be my head. And then not only do I look a bit different now, but this cover was more making the message about the book benefit rather than about me. So it was a change in strategy. But I guess the earlier you inform your strategy, the better, and the more consistent you can be, the better. And it would probably cost less to just update everything and lock it in and try and hold on to that as long as it's current, right? With this a little retainer maintenance program. Yeah, that's that's often how it works. Um, sometimes it's an alignment and, yeah, just a maintenance kind of scenario. But... Yeah, if, if you've already spent, you know, if someone's already spent money on a brand, the ch- chances on a brand update, chances are there's something workable. Might just need an alignment to get back on course. That's why we just we just sit down and do, do a checkup. There's nothing worse than going through the whole process again. And what we do we, with systems, we save the song and dance. We we get to the work and we find the problem and we we move on because we're result dri- um, driven on that. So you, do, so you don't put on the black skivvy and have a boardroom meeting and then just regurgitate what the client said to you back to them to make them sound like it's an awesome idea <laughs> and then they pay you 200 grand and you drive off in your Porsche. Exactly, sitting in the boardroom. Um, yeah, no, I refrain from the black skivvy. We usually have good weather here in WA, so it's hard to pull it off. <laughs> usually a sleeveless black skivvy maybe. No. Go Merino. I think that's that it, it, natural fibre, it breathes. Love Marina. Now that's half the reason why I've got into the business and we're, we're brand designers, all the song and dance and yeah, the black skivvies kind of repelled from it. So we did the strategy and the design process on the fly. Nothing starts without finding out who they are and what they stand for because we create our own businesses anyway. Like you said, the, the cycling apparel, um, these are things we've gone through ourselves. So we're not just the branders. We, we know what it takes to start a business. And how it can be, you know, you want to get it moving and get it generating. Yeah, well, I mean, you're probably too humble to say, but I know that your brand got some international interest. Uh, people wanting to take it to the different markets, and I mean, it's a, it's proof in the pudding. As far as I'm concerned, it means that you know exactly how to tune into your market and what they're interested in. And was it? Uh, did you have any tortured artist moments when you're trying to make your own brand, you know, as the client and the provider? Well. I guess if you're a designer, you think you immediately think uh, the problem is design. So if it's not working, it's not selling, it must be the design. So yeah, hours and hours of <laughs> redesigning, rebranding, taking a step back from the screen and yeah, probably going around in circles but ending up at the same place because you're going through the same methods. Identifying the technical issues as a brand designer is not, um, is, you know, Basically, the moral of the story is hire the people that are experts in their industry. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. You can rebrand yourself 10 times over, but if your books aren't in order, we're going to have an issue. But on the flip side, people will know your brand. So it's not, you're not hurting yourself too much. While we're on that, Angelo, what are you calling yourself out there in the market if we want to look you up? Got Creative, G O T Creative. 
So it's just like a slang got creative. You can yell it out. But yeah, so we provide these branding solutions and um, our website's gotcreative.com.au. And yeah, we we have fun. We love it. And I've got a brand checker online that's Pulse Checker that you can fill out a questionnaire to see where you're at. It's always good to see where you're at. And usually that's how we start engagement with people. People are curious and then they realize, oh, wow, we're in trouble here. What would be the first indicator that something's not right with your brand? I'd say if you, let's say you're using assets and the brand and you're not feeling proud, you're not feeling that you can wear it on your shirt or, you know, you're not feeling that it represents you and what you're doing. So I'd say it's an emotional, emotional thing. This is not us. That question, if that's being raised, or does this look, does this perceive who we are and who we stand for? Just with the colors, just with these graphics that we're using, these assets, is it us? And that, if it's, if the answer is no, or even half a no, there might be some, something to address behind the scenes. It's one of the questions I asked in my onboarding is, what's the name of your business and do you like it? And often people are like, um, well, I get, I love it through to you know, either or or not necessarily. I think the emotion is such an important point. If we are a micro business, let's say like in, by Australian definition, right, small business starts at like $25 million a year revenue. So most of us are just tiny little businesses. We're so tied to it personally. I think it's important to be into the brand. One of the main reasons I retired my last business name is I felt like I outgrew it. It felt a little, I don't know, it felt too childish or, or immature, I suppose. And part of that was probably the audio logo that was on the podcast as well. And I just wanted to, I wanted to grow up, you know, grew up into my personal brand. I was ready for my personal brand. I was ready to put myself out there. I guess before I was just hoping maybe I could build an asset that I could sell, but I realized that the real, uh, the secret ingredient for that business is me. (laughs) So that being the case, I was better off to pursue partnerships for my chances of selling a business and to build that other brand, the surfing brand that doesn't rely on me, which I am really proud of. And I love the name of it and the logo. And I like creating content for it, probably even more so than the business stuff. I could be just as happy making a surfboard video in my garage as recording a podcast. So I've got the brand or point where I really like it and what it can do and, and uh, how much reach. I get people messaging me all the time, asking me what fin they should use or which board between these two should they choose. And the shapers are often engaging with me and sharing my content and it, and it makes me feel a sense of deep satisfaction that I'm connecting with the market because it's something I'm interested in. So I can, I've experienced what a good brand is like, both from working for major brands and for building out some of my own. I think if you're listening to this episode so far and you don't feel like that's in play, it's probably time to get some brand help. And uh, there are people out there, people like Angelo, for example, who just get it. They can tell you straight away what's good, what's not, and then let your hair down slowly. Let your tires down slowly. Yeah, just. Yeah, I like that. Just don't. Yeah, it's a technique. It's it. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> you have to do that if you drive on the beach too here. Yeah, that's right. So it's all connecting. You can get these little, um, they're, they're called strawns, I think, and you just you put them on the tyre and they actually 
put it down to a preset level, like 14 PSI. You put four on and all your tires are hissing. And then it stops when it gets to the right level. You need some of those. But then you can move forward and get to your destination, right? You can without getting bogged. It's a counterintuitive step to, to get to get where you need to go. You're going to let your air down sometimes and uh, let the process take over. And then you can put the air back in later if you want. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm good at putting air back in as well. That's, that's something I'm great at. <laughs> Very vocal. <laughs> but you can sell. It's liberating the way you were speaking about what you've created. It's a liberating feeling when you're connecting with the brand and connecting with the right people. I'll tell you what also is good was when I had the opportunity to sell a couple of my businesses. You know, no doubt the person buying a business was buying the customer base. They were buying the team, the systems, the domain name, and the, the brand and, and what that name and reputation in the market meant. There was a certainty that people would continue to buy from it because the brand, you know, the, the way people feel about that business was worth something. And it, it was, again, it's incredibly satisfying to think I, I took a domain that I purchased for $500. I built this business live in a two-day workshop and then seven years later sold it for a decent sum. It was just uh, the magic of putting it all together. Amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. I think people get too obsessed with the direct response. I've been enjoying bringing a direct response approach to your stuff and seeing that take off, and it's very satisfying to see. So I've always enjoyed our conversations. I, I thought we'd be able to have something interesting to share uh, with our audience, Angelo. So thank you for putting it, uh, the time aside, especially being a brand-new daddy. I imagine you've got some duties to attend in a minute. That's all right. Yeah, and I just kind of weave it into my lifestyle. Um, yeah, so no, he's, he's great, little Miguel, and he's – He's not too much trouble. He gets he gets the rhythm. You know, usually there's music playing or something. So it's a positive environment. He goes with the flow. Love it. Getting in early. Learning the craft. Yeah. From the crib. Well, let's see. Family business. We'll see. And I've appreciated I look forward to our talks every week and I feel the effect and the energy coming from your orange color palette. Orange and black. <laughs> That's why I put it around my head there. Yeah, I noticed. Little halo. Little halo effect. <laughs> Pure chance. Brilliant. All right. We'll catch you later. Okay. Thanks, James. Ciao. Thank you. This is James Schramko. 